Thanks, Pastor Chase. As I said, there's a bunch of women coming back from a women's retreat who are all happy, and there's a bunch of men that are traumatized because their wives were gone all week long. Um, I think sometimes the best thing you can do to your spouse is leave them alone with the children. Amen. Yeah, you know what I mean? Why? Because it, it creates this appreciation a lot of times, especially for what ladies do. Um, the problem is there's a lot of men that the wife is too afraid to leave the children home with. Because we forget about them, right? <laughs> oh, we have kids. Uh, you, ever, you ever had that happen? Where you kind of forgot you had children? <laughs> That's good. And those of you who did, you're not willing to admit it in church. You're like, ain't no way I'm going to say yes to that. But if you're here for the first time again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, looks a little different on hunting season and ladies gone and stuff. Um, but I am here. I've prepared a meal. Are you ready to eat? Amen. All right, because what we're going to talk about today is what some of those, if you're, if you're sitting in that section, there is a fence in the way of what you need to see. And that's what we're talking about today. Not a literal fence, but offense. We're talking about being offended. When was the last time you were offended? This morning? Anybody get offended this morning? Bunch of liars. Something had to have offended you if, if you woke up and you're not offended yet. I promise you by the end of this sermon... You will be, because I have the ability to offend, um, and, uh, and, and I'm not going to do it on purpose, but we are going to talk about dealing with offense. We're in a series uh, called Changed by the Challenges, and what we got together with our teaching team, and we talked about what are major things that people deal with. Like, I don't want you to come to church, you know, just hear a scripture and go home and not be changed. I want you to leave this place going, I need to work on that. And sometimes in order for us to say I need to work on that means that we have to get offended in one way or another. Why? Because truth typically offends. It's going to be a long day if you don't amen this, all right? Truth typically offends people. So um, our life group again tonight, um, if you are a part of our marriage life group, uh, the title of tonight's uh, lesson we're talking about is What's Your Secret? What's Your Secret? We started a video series two weeks ago. And if you got the text and the title, I'm not going to say what the title is. I said it in first service, but we're being recorded now. Um, but if you got the title last time, it scared some people, right? Because it had, it had to do with, with how God made sexual relations to be um, and how our world puts it and how God puts it. And let me tell you something, God invented it. Okay, but I had a couple, some feedback on the title of the last one. Now y'all want to know what the, the title was. I'm not telling you right now because we're online, but it could have been slightly offensive. But what's your secret? Well, the secret this morning to a happy marriage is to wear a new shirt your wife got you unbuttoned. <laughs> this is out of my comfort zone, right? And, and she, she said, can you wear it unbuttoned? And I'm like, is this a secret? Like, is this a good thing? Will I get rewarded? You know, like, what's going to happen, all right? And, and she said, and she goes, and then I want you to, to roll your sleeves up. I said, I have a limit. <laughs> like, there's, there's, a, there's a line. I'm already uncomfortable with this thing being open. But sometimes we just do what our spouse wants. Why? Because that's what they want. And in a marriage, okay, when we, when we will say, okay, if it's important to her, or if it's important to him, I need to make it important to me, you'll have a happier relationship because that's how relationships work. So uh, before we get into the mess, I want to tell you a little story um, if you don't know how, I, I grew up in the backwoods, like country as country can be a long ways away. And we had this, this little house that had a wood rail down into the yard. And I remember I was traumatized by seeing my brother do something that I had never seen him done before. And uh, I remember walking by the little bathroom in our house. We had one bathroom. And I remember my brother with his pants down, he's probably eight or nine, bent over like this. And my mom was picking slivers out of his behind. <laughs> just pulling slivers out. And I was like, what in the world? Well, he decided to slide down the rail 
that had been in the sun for several years, and he taught me a valuable lesson. Let older brothers go first, like when it's done. And, and I remember looking at that going, man, that was, that was not worth it. It was not worth the fun. But you know, if you work with wood or metal, you're going to get slivers. Like if you deal with us, you're going to get slivers. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And the important question is this, will you leave it there or will you deal with it? Will you leave it there or will you deal with it? To, to put this in a different way, let's say that, that the arrow represents an offense. Like you get offended by somebody, you get stuck with it, you get shot. What is your choice now? Now in real life, they say if you get shot with an arrow to go to the hospital, don't pull it out yourself like they do on TV or, or break it off. I would probably tend to pull it out, see what happens. But if I get offended and I got shot with an offense, there's two different ways I could do it. I could get it taken care of or I can leave it there. And I can leave it there for a long time. And I can walk around and I can tell everybody how I got offended. I can say who shot the arrow and this is what happened. And I can walk around with it, but the longer it stays in me, the more chance of infection happens, right? And that, that, that is what can end up killing me. But in our world, we hold on to offenses an awful lot and we don't wanna let them go. And I wanna teach us today, how do we deal with it when we get offended? Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Will you leave it there or will you deal with it? Now with a sliver, it hurts to get it out, but you leave it there and it begins to fester, it begins to get, and so it, it, the, the pain it takes to get out is minimal compared to what it can turn into. There was a little boy at summer camp a couple years back that stepped, I mean, he's got a big old sliver in his foot and Rachel, the nurse who goes to our church, uh, we were looking at his foot and it was a big sliver and he was freaking. I mean, he was like, nah, he was not impressing the other 12 year old girls that were at camp. And, and he was like, no, no. And she's like, I have to pull it out or it's gonna get in. Ah, and he's just freaking out. We're like, okay, well, we're not gonna force you and pin you down, but it's your choice. And he chose to leave it there. Well, at the end of the day, he couldn't hardly walk. And he finally made his way back and, and swallowed his pride and was like, Nurse Rachel, would you, would you please pull it out? Okay, because what she told him didn't make a whole lot of sense until he got hurt worse and worse and worse. And a lot of times in our lives, we get offended. We don't even know what it's doing to us because it's slow, but it will create a bitterness in us, right? So a sliver, again, it's, it's no different than being offended. If you spend any time around people, you will have opportunities to be offended. Trust me. If you spend any time on social media, you will have plenty of opportunities to be offended. You ever, you ever been offended by somebody that you didn't even know? It's like you're having a good day and you maybe check your social media and you see something that is opposite of what you believe, whether it's political or just some sort of opinion, and you get spun up by it. Like you're doing good, you're doing fine, and you see somebody make a post that you don't even know, you don't have any relationship, but you see with it and it disagrees with what you believe, and all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe it. And then, and then, and then. And then you're like, bing, you shoot them back, right? You don't even know who it is and you're flinging arrows at them. We can get spun up by somebody we don't know who says something that we don't agree with just because, right? Isn't that crazy how somebody that you don't even know can actually ruin your day? They can ruin it because of how you take it. And the question with that is, again, will you let someone else's opinion ruin your day? If you get spun up by someone else's lame opinion, Quit exposing yourself to it. And sometimes you just invite yourself into getting offended because of what you get involved in. There is a thing called a scroll button that you can just keep going. But some of you can't. 
Right? Some personalities are like, oh, I got to chime in on this. I, I, I think it's really funny when I'll put a post out there and I'll have somebody that I don't know or barely know will, will comment on it completely disagreeing with my opinion. And I'm like, but this is my page. Right? I'm not putting that on this church page. I'm putting it on my personal page. And it's just kind of funny how offense can happen so quickly. All right? Or you get offended by somebody's driving habits. Does that ever happen? I had that happen yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, so here's, I, I'm a time, like I, time is really important to me. Isn't that good to have in a pastor? <laughs> Come on, give me something, right? Just say amen or I'll keep you here all day till you get it. All right. And I, I'm driving down a, a new way to get to my mom and dad's house because, you know, Cuna Road, uh, these roads have gotten a little packed. So I'm trying Cloverdale because of, uh, traffic blocks and stuff. So I, I start my timer. I look at my clock. Okay, I've left it this time, so I'm going to see how long it takes me to get there. And when you know it, I got behind the slowest driver in Idaho. This lady's just, just she's enjoying a Saturday cruise, okay? And I'm, I'm on a time. I'm like, I'm going to go to speed limit. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to time everything out. She totally blew what I was trying to do because she was going 8 to 10 under the whole way, and I couldn't pass her. I was like, this ungodly woman is, all right, I don't know who it was, but my wife's sitting next to me and she's like, you're raging. I said, I ain't raging. You ain't seen rage, right? I don't, I don't road rage. I get road annoyed. I get road annoyed. So, so I thought, well, I'm going to get up on her bumper just a tiny bit. I didn't get that close and I got a little close and my wife's like, that was too close. I'm like, that's why I got the steering wheel, lady, right? Just sit there. And, and I wasn't that close. How do you define close? That is up to me to define what close is. All right, and so I get up on just a little bit, and it didn't change. She was just like, la, 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 and, and, and she goes all the way down to where I'm going. And finally, when she put her blinker on and turned the other direction, I was like, thank you, Jesus, all right? Uh, but it was a test, and my, my wife said, well, look at it this way. You get to spend more time with me. And I was like, if your love language was quality time, I might buy that, right? But her language is gifts, <laughs> like, so buy me something, and, and, uh, but it was, it was a fun thing. To deal with, but we will get offended. We have these a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities to be offended. Okay, driving habits. So the point of this lesson today is, if you go through life getting and staying offended, you will have an issue with unforgiveness. Okay, that's really what the issue is: is unforgiveness. You're offended all the time. You have a problem forgiving people. The problem with that is it leads to bitterness and resentment. So if your life today is full of bitterness and resentment towards things, you really have an unforgiveness issue. And that's where we got to open it up and say, okay, how can I not be offended all the time? Uh, your life will be miserable if you do not learn to forgive and get over offenses. Okay? This is the one time that I will allow you to say whatever when somebody offends you. You ever have a, a teenager say that to you? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Chase, could I have you turn the AC on? Is it warm in here? Okay, that's what I thought. I, for some reason, it, it's not kicking on. Oh, we didn't pay the bill? Well, let's take an offering. No, <laughs> he asked, what, asked me what you want to know. It goes to air conditioning. All right. And then I, I wore this. I think it's wool because it's really, really hot. And keeping it real, okay, some people simply like to be offended. You know anybody likes, they just live on it. They like thrive. If there's, if there's not an offense, they will create one. Yeah. Some people only find happiness in being offended or being, you know, it's like, ah, the world's going crazy. Some people enjoy being offended. They really do. It's just the way it is. I've had, and this is a true story, some, some people... I've had people in our church, okay, not really recently, but in the past couple of years, where we've had a Sunday where people have gotten saved, which happens almost every Sunday. 
And this particular Sunday, I think it was four people who gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, saved from eternity in hell, right? Gave their hearts to Christ, got saved. And I had somebody complain to me about one little thing that I said they didn't like in the sermon. Like I got this, this, this email about what they didn't like about the one little thing. I said, did you know that people got saved that Sunday? Well, that's beside the point. That's, that's what their attitude was. And, and I'm going, what I said was an unbiblical or scripture. It was just a difference in opinion. You got offended over something. And, and I, what I wrote out in my mind was a lot different than what I actually said. Okay. Sometimes it's okay to type it out. Just, you know, don't hit send. Um, yeah, I, my son actually hit send one time when I had something typed out. He hit the button. I was like, no. All right. Um, it was a horrible, but it was enough that. He shouldn't have touched the, the, the send button on my computer. <laughs> All right. So if you don't mean to say it, don't type it. Just think it. All right. Just think it. But if you don't like being offended, if you want to get over this, then I have a message for you. If you want to live a truly free life, okay, this message is just for you. And I got to start out with a really, really corny question. Are you ready? Yep. Please forgive me before I even ask this. Because it's a, it, it's a question that popped into my mind. And I thought, that is so corny. Somebody else had to have thought of that. So I Googled it. I Googled the question, like lamejokes.com, whatever. And nothing came up. And I'm like, is this really a Stan original? And after you hear it, you're going to realize, yes, that really is a Stan original because you can't think of a whole lot of good things too. But I had this question pop into my And for the sake of my own pride, I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Because I hope it'll help you remember what the answer is. Here's the question. Are you ready? Okay. What are the most important ships on this earth? Somebody knows the answer. Is it up there? Oh, it is up there. Okay. Well, I just gave it away then. A relationship. Just give me some stupid laugh like nice try, Stan. You, you tried. You tried. You tried. Thank you. All right. It's a relationship. That's the most important ship on there is a relationship. And a lot of people don't understand this fact because here's why I say it, is if relationships are important to God, which they are, they are the most important thing to God, what thing do you think Satan targets? Is relationships. He targets those things that God holds valuable. And what is the number one destroyer of relationships? Typically it's offense. It's things that offend you. And, and, and we have these things that we have to deal with because if we don't, offenses, what are they made to do? They are made to block, okay? They are made to simply get in there. They're, they're property lines, whatever it is. But when I have an offense, it, it breaks a relationship I have with you as my church family. So when I get behind it, I, I can say, well, they did this and I'm just gonna stay offended. It creates this block. And so today we gotta learn how to get through those things. And yes, we are gonna use the Bible. If y'all wonder, someone's like, he hasn't even read a scripture yet. Well, does that offend you? Okay. I do what I do for a reason. All right. But here's what I know that Satan does. How does he target relationships? Well, I believe he uses offense as his number one weapon. And here's how he does it. He, he does it through whispering in your ears, words of offense. He, he, he causes you to hear what wasn't intended. Hear how that happened? You hear something, but it wasn't what the intent was. That is most marriage conflict is just a misunderstanding of really what the wants and the needs are. 
See, staying offended ruins relationships. And there's a story in the Bible where Jesus says something that these Jews he's talking to misunderstand what he's saying. He's saying one thing, but they're hearing something totally different. And I want to read you the end result, okay, before we go back and talk about the story. I want to each read you the end result of it. And it's found, ironically, in John chapter 6, verse 66. 666. And it says this, from this time, many of his disciples, not all of them, but many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So Facebook did not invent unfriending people. This, it was in the Bible. Jesus got unfriended. They were following him as long as he was, uh, you know, providing bread and all kinds of stuff and miracles. But, but he taught something and they disagreed with it. They misunderstood and we'll talk about it. But they actually turned and walked away. They just said, you know what? This, this is costing too much in this relationship. We can't handle what it is that you're telling us to do. So we are going to go the other way. Why did this get caused? Because Jesus offended them by something he said, something they misinterpreted which created an offense. So in the book of John chapter six, we're gonna read verse 25 through 34. And we're gonna talk about the motives here and why Jesus said what he said. Now, a little bit of a backstory here. Jesus comes on the scene, he heals people, all right? He's doing some amazing miracles. He turns water and wine, heals people. He walks on the water. He feeds 5,000 men, um, not including ladies and kids with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. And you may have heard that story. And, and so he disappears. Like the, the disciples get in a boat, they go across the lake. Jesus doesn't get in the boat. He goes up to the mountains to pray, which being in the mountains is a very holy thing, yeah. right? It can be, especially if you're hunting elk or deer. It can be very spiritual, all right? It can be very testing if you don't find any. Uh, but, but Jesus goes to the mountain, he prays, and then he walks across the water. Well, this whole group of people that have just been fed by him are wondering where he's at. It says they didn't see him get in the boat, so they're like, okay, where'd Jesus go? Well, then they went to the place, okay, to, to search for Jesus in Capernaum, and that's where the story starts off. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, he didn't answer the direct question because he seldom does. He knows the motive of why it was being asked. He says, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miracles or signs of miracles, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. In other words, you just came here because you're hungry. Like they wanted a free meal. It's like, we got free bread yesterday. We want free bread today. And Jesus is just calling it for how it is. And their hearts are like, yeah, you're right. We're starving. Can you feed us again? And he says this, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. On him, God the father has placed a seal of approval. And when then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works that God requires? I think, okay, we gotta do something to get some food. So what do we gotta do? And Jesus answered, the work of God is to do this, to believe in the one he has sent. Like he's, he's like, I'm the Messiah and you need to believe this. And so they asked him, what miraculous sign will you do uh, or will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers, they're saying our forefathers, those who were in the desert, the Israelites, they ate manna in the desert. That is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're thinking that Moses was the one that provided bread every day for 40 days. Like they didn't have to hardly go out and work for it. They just went and gathered it and they didn't eat. So they're, they're still thinking food. Like we're hungry. What sign are you going to do? Are we going to get bread every day? Like, you know, is it like DoorDash, you know, morning, evening? When are, we, when are you going to give this food? What sign are you going to give? Jesus sees through the question, which he always does, and he answers them this way. 
I tell you the truth, it wasn't Moses who had given you the bread from heaven, okay, because Jesus was there. He's like, I'm the one that did it. But it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Now, this is a, a confusing passage. And Jesus continues to go on and talk about him being the bread. And, and they're, they're just really confused about this whole thing because Jesus is turning, turning something that's physical into something that's spiritual and they just don't understand. They're, they're, they're not quite gonna grasp what it is that he's trying to, to come across with. All right, so what will you do? What will you do? You ever ask God that question, what are you gonna do to prove to me you are who you say you are? We throw that out there, like God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. You ever made a deal with God? God, if you get me out of this situation, I promise I will serve you forever. Why don't you promise me first and then I'll get you out of the situation? Lord, I'm in prison. Don't lock the doors and let me out and then I'll serve you. No, God says, are you gonna serve me in prison or not? I don't have to do anything to get you to serve me. You need to serve me first and then I will perform the miracles. But there are times in our lives when we'll make this deal with God. God, if you do this, you know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, the victim mentality of, of let's make a deal with God. That's not how God works. Right. Okay, we have to take that first step because Jesus already came and he took the first step. We accept him, then God does the things. But that's what these people are doing here. They're like, well, what miracle will you do so that we know you are who you say you are? And Jesus goes on to this big dialogue about Bring the bread, being the bread of life. And, and then they're thinking, well, we want this bread. We, we don't want to have to work for food anymore, physical food. We want you just to give it to us. They're simply misunderstanding what Jesus is saying. John 36, 35 through 44, he continues on with his dialogue. And um, I like this, he tells them to quit grumbling. You ever done that with your kids? You ever said, knock it off, I'm gonna come back there. You're going 65 miles an hour. That's not a good time to get in the back seat. All right, and, and you're, you ever done that? You, do you ever have your parents swing at you? Yeah. Back in the good old days when you actually could spank your children? I, I heard a guy the other day, he said a t-shirt that said, uh, I was spanked as a child. I now suffer from the effects. It's called respect. Amen. <laughs> so here's what he goes. He, he continues to go on, 635 to 34. And then Jesus declared, okay, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of one who sent me. What was his will? His will was to die for us. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day." For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. And Jesus is basically saying, I, I didn't come down here to meet your physical needs. I came down here to meet the spiritual need. I came down here to die for you so that you could live eternally with my Father in heaven. That, that, is, that is what God has planned for me. And it says in verse 41 that at this, the Jews begin to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. Okay? No one can come unto me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, if you're anything like me reading this entire dialogue, you kind of go into a brain fog. Like your eyes glaze over just a tiny bit because he's talking about these, these spiritual principles and they're thinking he's talking about physical bread and they're not understanding. They're not getting what it is that he is trying to come across with. He continues to explain, they continue to misinterpret. You ever have that happen in your marriage? 
<laughs> like, you, like the more you try to explain your side, the more confusion the marriage becomes. Like we, we try to stand our ground, like this is what I'm saying. And the more you talk, the less they're listening, or the, the less they're hearing, because they're just getting a reply ready to rebuke yep. you for what you just said. This is how it happens. It's like, I don't even, I don't even care what you're saying. I'm just playing in a good rebuttal. Some of y'all should have been lawyers. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even wanting to know what you're meaning. I'm just going to say what I think. And that's what these people are doing to Jesus. They're not even trying to understand what he's saying. Now, here's what I know. Some people simply cannot fathom that there might be another viewpoint than their own. You ever met somebody like that? Like, they, they you're like, yeah, I'm married to him. Come to my class tonight. We'll talk about it. Right? Some people can't even fathom there may be another viewpoint other than theirs. They, they can't even fathom that somebody else might be right. I have talked to people who are so convinced that they're right that they will not see it in any other direction. They refuse to even entertain the thought that somebody else could have a different viewpoint that could be correct and theirs could be wrong. Some people are like that. My, my heart is don't be that way, okay? Have, have a, a closed mind for some things, but an open mind for other things. Be willing to say, you know what? I could be wrong in this. Probably not, but I could be, yeah. <laughs> You ever have, I've, I've told you this before. There's times that my wife, like, we'll get into it. She'd be like, you just think you're right about everything. <laughs> and I'll be like, do you want to be married to a man who's wrong about everything? <laughs> now I roll up my sleeves to prove that I really love her, right? No, we get into that because that's my sarcastic self, all right? But some people have a different viewpoint and need to be willing to listen to it. Even if you don't agree with it, be willing to listen to it. I think that's the problem we have in our world today Amen. is we have so many people shouting and yelling at each other, even within the church, all right? Over, over political issues, over medical issues, whatever, and we actually fight over things that really don't matter that much. And we can cause a lot of division by just standing our ground instead of trying to see where the other person is coming from, okay? So Jesus keeps going, verse 51 through 59. He sees that they're a little bit confused, and he just continues to talk more confusion. Like, these guys aren't listening, so I'm continuing just to, to throw them in the confusion. He says, I'm the living bread, verse 51, that came down from heaven. If a man eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, he's talking about, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And then the Jews begin to argue sharply amongst themselves. <laughs> How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Like, that's disgusting. Like, we're really gonna eat, like, part of his body? Can I have a thigh? Right? <laughs> I get a leg? No, they're like, he's talking, guys, you gotta understand, these are Jewish people and they're not even grasping the concept. They're thinking he is physically, like we're supposed to eat his flesh? As a Jew, you couldn't even touch a dead body. You couldn't even be around blood. You couldn't touch it, it was unclean. So to them, this is such a foreign concept as to what he's saying. And then I think he gets a grin, verse 53, because once he's got him on the hook, you ever have somebody buffaloed, you just keep going? Like, it's just, you just, keep, you just keep rolling out. And Jesus, now he's like, okay, these guys are totally confused. Now we're going to get even worse. He goes, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And they're like, wow, this is crazy. They don't understand. And he continues to go on. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. And, and he continues to dialogue about eating the flesh and drinking the blood and, and they're freaked out. And not only that, he's, he says he said, well, teaching them in the synagogues, he's actually talking about it in church. Talking about church things that are, that are uncomfortable for them and they just don't even grasp what he's trying to say. It says on hearing it, many of his disciples said, who can, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it, Okay. 
And here's my whole point with this whole story as I bring, try to bring it around. They don't seem to bother to ask Jesus what he means by what he said. They're confused by it. They have their idea of their own definition, their own interpretation of what Jesus is saying. And they don't even bother to say, Jesus, time out. We know you're Jewish. We know that you don't touch a dead body. We know that, you know, the blood, you stay away from that. What are you really getting at here? Because we know that you wouldn't be teaching us to do something that the law strictly forbids. What, what are you really trying to say here? Not one person sought Jesus' interpretation of what he was saying. They were so fixed on what they thought they heard that, that there's no possible other way he could mean anything else other than physically eating and drinking blood, like cannibalism. But how often are we guilty of that same thing in our relationships? That we fail to ask the right questions. We fail to say, okay, they're saying this and it sounds all crazy. Could they mean something else? And do we sit down politely and say, okay, here's what you're saying. This is not making sense. Can you, can you tell me in a different way what you're trying to explain to me? Can you tell me in a different tone of voice? Tone is big, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, sir. Same word, different tone. Tone is huge. Who has a problem with tone? <laughs> yeah. I have a problem with people having a tone toward me. Uh, and I have a problem sometimes with my tone. Tone is very important. Tone is when you're talking to your dog, right? You can go, you're the ugliest little dog in the whole world. I'm going to kill you tomorrow and cook you off. And uh, the dog's like, yeah. All right? And the dog's just eating it because it's a tone thing. Or you can have this really gruff, okay, Come here, I love you so much. And the dog's like, ah, and wetting on the floor. And you're like, ah, oh, don't do it. The tone, tone will save you from having to get rags to clean up the dog stuff. Anybody have a dog that yeah. urinates when you have a bad tone? Okay. Hopefully you don't have children, okay, or employees that do when you have a bad tone. So tone, tone will cause things to happen. And, and I think Jesus would just, he's just trying to explain something. But they're so fixed on what they think he's saying, they don't even ask him, what do you really mean by this? You know how many problems would be solved if we simply took the time to ask questions instead of come up with our own definitions? Just ask questions about things? So instead of trying to understand that what Jesus is talking about dying on the cross for salvation, they're thinking cannibalism. Okay? That, that's just what they're fixed on. And Jesus asks the question, that we're dealing with today, he says this. After they say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Unaware, I'm sorry, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. This, is, this was his disciples. These are people that were following him. He, were, he was aware that they were grumbling about this. He said this, does this offend you? Like, are you offended by what I'm saying? And then he goes on, he says, what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are the spirit and they are life. And what he's saying is I'm talking in spiritual terms here, not physical terms, but you're so fixated that I'm talking about eating my physical flesh, drinking my physical blood. You can't even see the spiritual side of things here. It says when Jesus had, for Jesus had known from the beginning, which of them did not believe in who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Let me tell you something. If you have a prodigal, if you have somebody that's running from God, somebody in your life, continue to pray for them because they really won't come to the realization they need Jesus or need Jesus again until God opens up their eyes to it. Okay? Just, just say, God, please open our eyes, do what needs to be done in their life. So these people all left. It says, from this point on, many of his disciples turned back 
and they no longer followed him. And Jesus looks at his 12 disciples and goes, you guys leaving too? <laughs> Peter's like, no, I'm hungry. I want some food. Uh, can you make something? No, he says, he's like, Lord, where shall we go? He's like, you have the words of eternal life. So these people left him. Does this offend you? See, it obviously did because this, they choose to walk away from a relationship based on their own misunderstanding and unwillingness to see it any other way. And I don't know where you are right now in any type of relationship, this might be the very thing that you're dealing with. You may be willing to walk away from a relationship that's gonna be a blessing to you. You may be wanting to walk away from a job that you need because you got offended over something. And you, you ask yourself the question, what are the results? If I walk away from this, what are the results gonna be? These people walked away from the very one that they were actually looking for. They were looking for the Messiah for years and they got offended by something and they're willing to throw away a relationship over an offense, over an offense, over something that's blocking them from seeing. They walked away from the very one that would make life work. And I hope that you have not done that today. Why? All because they were offended. So how are we, how are we gonna deal with this? Let's get through this. Again, this is more of a teaching today. So number one, how do, how do I deal with being offended? Number one, I gotta be honest with it. I gotta be honest with myself. Like I'm offended. Like I could be all spiritual and say, there's no fence here. I'm gonna claim in Jesus' name that there's no fence. Still fence. Okay, the fence is there, isn't it? And the fence is, it's in Becky's way. I can see it because she's trying to look around it. All right, you try to look around. What, what, what do fences do? They, they block. I can't say in Jesus' name, let the offense be gone. No, the fence is there. The question is, how are we gonna deal with it? Okay, it's there. I gotta be willing to say, no, I'm offended. You ever ask yourself that question? I'm offended, why? I gotta own it. Owning it is the first step in dealing with it, as with anything. Some of you heard this story before if you've been here very long, but where I grew up, our church building was about from here to the ball fields from our house. We had a cow pasture in between the church. So you couldn't skip church in my small town because a preacher could look out the window and see our garage. Not like some of y'all. Some of you are glad you, I'm not your next door neighbor, aren't you? Come on, be, be honest, right? You might have to stop cussing and doing things. No? So I was uh, walking home from church one night, and uh, this was, it was dark. I was actually started to run. I was probably eight or nine years old. And there was a trail under apple trees that went from the church building to our house and we had to go through the cow pasture, open the gates and whatnot. And I'm running home because <laughs> I was like, was, church was out. This is back when you had to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night and all the times in between like revival services. Anybody remember the good old days, right? And so you had to go. So I was running home and I, I no kidding, tripped over a stick. The Chick-fil-A cows are real. We had some. Because there wasn't a stick there in the way on the way to church, but somehow on the way back there was a big stick, and I tripped over. The problem wasn't the tripping; the problem was what I landed in. Fresh cow pie. The cow that laid the pie put the stick there as a trap for this little bratty eight-year-old eight kid, and I sprawled out, boom, and just all over, boom, slid through it. And I'm like, ah, you know. The good news is, is it didn't get in my mouth. That's the good news, right? Because what I have found in life is what gets on you does not have to get in you. And this usually requires you keeping your mouth shut. Okay? It gets on you, but it doesn't have to get in you. That's what offense can do. It, it can get on you, but it doesn't have to get in you. Keep your mouth shut at the moment. Second question is, can number one, I am offended. There's offense. Why am I offended? 
Is this really as big as I'm making it? This will help you in your relationships. Because often we have this emotional response towards things. Is it, is it really as big as I'm making? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But being offended is normally an emotional response to something that you don't like. Okay, is, is it as big as I'm making it? You may have an absolutely legitimate reason to be offended. Okay, sin should offend you. It really should. People that drive 10 under the speed limit should offend you. It should absolutely offend you, all right? They get it on you, but not in you. This last summer, I believe it was, I was standing in my backyard and I felt a giant raindrop hit my shoulder. I looked in the sky and I didn't see any clouds. I thought that was weird. So I looked on my shoulder and it was white. I got a bird that should have been a bomber in World War II. Like he drilled me. I don't know how far up it was, but he got me. All right. And I, I went, oh, I didn't say a bad word. I was just like, oh man. And I looked at it and I thought, that was a good shot. It's a pretty good shot. No birds, you know, but I don't know what kind of bird it was, but I, I tell you what, he was a good shot. I then had a choice. I can either leave it there and show everybody or I could just clean it off. Our problem is, is we like to show people our offense. We like to parade it around and go, look what happened to me, look what happened to me. Well, then we become a victim like I talked about last week. To get over the victim mentality, we have to just pretty much wipe it off and keep going. The third thing, okay, well, actually, let me, let me talk about, okay, in the case of the disciples, a simple question, seeking clarification would have likely solved the problem. If they'd have just asked Jesus, what is it that you're really saying here? It probably would have solved this problem. Number three, you have to choose to overlook it. And that is a hard thing. Sometimes offenses don't go away on their own. Sometimes you have to go to Lowe's, buy a ladder, climb the ladder, and choose to get over it. Now, first service, I didn't have the stool. First service, all you could see was about this. Okay? And then I thought about Wilson. <laughs> My best impersonation, no, 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 Tim. Your wife got offended because you called her whatever. Right? Nobody ever knows who Wilson is. But Wilson's like the Holy Spirit. He's always giving good advice, but you can't always see him. Okay? The important thing is that you listen. Okay? So I, I may not be able to move the offense, but I need to get over it. I need to find a way around it. Now, there's some people, they just thrive on offending you. That's where you have to learn how to get over it. Why? Because an offense will always separate. So for me, okay, I love the scripture here in Proverbs 19.11. And all of you handgun owners, if that will mean something to you, you'll remember this. If not, don't worry about it. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. That is a hard thing to do. Especially if it's like a severe thing. If it's like somebody came at you, you're like, uh, okay, it's to my glory to overlook. I don't want any glory. I just want to go for it. But it's to a, your glory to overlook an offense. It's to your glory to you get cut off in traffic and just say, oh, God bless you. <laughs> right? it, it, that's so hard to do. It is so hard to be offended by your spouse and not shoot back. It is so hard to keep your mouth shut. But like I told you, just because it gets on you does not mean it has to get in you. Right. And that is a choice. Okay, number four is to keep working on it. You got to keep working on it. So I, I have a little illustration that I want to show you. I need a volunteer. Jeff, you want to be my volunteer? All right. 
Jeff has no idea what's about to happen. All right. So, no, this is good. So, Jeff, this, is, this is, represents your life. Come on up here. This represents life. Okay? Okay. So, buy more, pay me 20 bucks to, to make sure you pull. No, excuse me. <laughs> All right. So, that represents life. So, you get up in the morning. And I, you get up and, and there's coffee made, but coffee's kind of cold. And, and this represents an offense. Kind of get offended. Okay. Now, you started out all right. Coffee's a little bit cold. And then you ask your wife, you know, well, how come the coffee was cold? And she says, because you made it. That's why. So, you take that wrong. And now you're questioning, what do you mean? Are you saying that I make bad coffee? And then, it, then, then, then the fight started, right? This is why you should have prayed into your devotions before you talk to your wife. All right. So you leave and you leave and you're kind of in a huff and you're like, you live, ah, fine. You leave and that's another offense. She's like, well, have a terrible day, right? And, and it just keeps piling on. Now you have a choice here, okay? Because by the end of the morning, it's getting heavier, and every offense is like a brick. Now, you have a choice here. Did I tell you you couldn't take them out? Nope. Are you going to pack that thing around all day long? No. What can you choose to do? So you can't let go of the bucket because the bucket's you, but you can, okay? <laughs> but you can take a brick out. You can say, you know what? I'm going to take this offense, and I'm just going to leave it where it needs to be left. Okay, so how do you lighten your bucket? By removing offenses, Okay. Now, some people want to take the, you just going to give it back to me? That offends me, bro. I wanted the other one. Uh, okay. You can continue to pack it around or you can let go of the offense. Way easier said than done. Okay. Give Jeff a round of applause. Jeff, thank you so much. Um, but every day you will have something happen to you that will load your bucket down. And I usually use a backpack, like a spiritual backpack that things just, just weigh you down. You can choose to, to pack it or you can choose to try to unload it. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to help us take those bricks out because he doesn't want us traveling heavy. Because when you're heavy, you don't focus on the right things. When you're packing something else around, you, you fail to see other people's problems. And God has really called us to help other people through, with their issues. <laughs> Some of y'all are really good at that. You're like, that's why you're posting stuff. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean that we love people with their, their issues and we help people with their bricks and we help people take stuff out of their pack. But some of you today, you, you have a lot of offenses in your life bucket and you don't even realize it. But it's weighed you down, it has hindered you, it has stopped you from living the life that God wants you to live and you don't even realize that that's what it is. And that's why today's message is so important that we can recognize, man, my life is heavy and now I understand maybe it's because I'm offended a lot or I haven't forgiven, or I haven't gotten forgiveness. I'm just packing all this weight around. That's why number four is keep working on it. You will be offended. I promise you. You will get offended. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Carrying them won't make you stronger. It'll simply wear you out. It's also like a tea bag. Okay? Being offended is like a tea bag in hot water. The longer it steeps, the darker it gets. So what are you going to do with it today? Okay. Again, it's a sliver. You leave it in, what happens? It gets what? gets infected. We have to learn how to get those things out. So we need to be intentional with this. We stay focused on the wrong things, which distracts us from the right things. If I'm so focused on the offense, I'm so focused on what somebody did to me or what happened to me, it will just weigh me down from going to where I need to go. Does that make sense? Yep. God wants to help us with our offense today. So my question, my final question for you is this, is what is it that right now 
if you and I sat down in, 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 a, in a coffee shop and, and I said, okay, what is it that has offended you? What are you, what, what are you working with? Some of you would be like, man, I don't know. I, you know, I can't, I can't think of anything. And that's the one thing to think about being 50 is you kind of forget when you got offended. It's like everything's great, right? But some of you would be able to say, this is what's kind of got me. And now that you talk about being offended, that's what it is. I didn't really think about it being offense, but I realized that, yeah, they, they did offend me. They did say this. It might have happened in your childhood. It might have happened today. I might have said something that offended you. And, and you have to learn how to deal with it to go, okay, why did it offend me? Why did it offend me? I, I remember, I've told you this story before. Some of you have never heard it. The first time I recognized that I had body odor. This was a fun time in my life. I was 12 years old, running through the house, chasing my little brother, and my mom stopped me. She's like, you stink. <laughs> Gee, thanks, mom. Um, my mom loves you very much. And she, she said it in a way that was kind of loving, but factual, all right? And, and what she's saying was, is you're now about to be a man. Do I have a solution for you? It's called right guard, okay? And unfortunately that my mom was willing to tell me the truth, you all can give me a hug without being offended, okay? And that's the whole thing. But sometimes to get, people to realize they stink, you have to be honest with them. Like, and here's what you can do to not be that way. And fortunately, my mom was honest enough to say, whoa, bro, you need some, you need some right guard. Well, I'm telling you today, some of y'all need some right guard because your offense is stinking up some relationships. You got to learn how to get over them. And, and here's, here's the thing. It has to start with forgiveness. That's where it starts, amen, is learning to forgive quickly. It doesn't mean that the fence goes away. There's things that we have to deal with in life, okay? I'm not talking that, yeah, you just pretend that it's not there. It's there. How do I deal with it? How do I deal with it? So what is God doing in your life today? What does he need to do? What are you holding on to right now that's just holding you back? Something that, that you just got to go, you know what? I just need to let this go. I need to forgive. I need to move on as best I can. Now, if you're married to the person, you might need to have a, a hard conversation to say, you know what, I, I just, this, is, this is offending me and we need to talk about it. If they're unwilling to talk about it, just continue to do right on your side because you can't make the other person think a certain way, right? We can try, but, but it won't work. So did, did this help anybody today? Because yeah. more of a teaching. But let me pray for you. If you bow your heads with me. So here's the first question. The first question, again, always goes back to your relationship with God. Where is it? Where is it? You, you've, you, can't, you can't just say, okay, I'm in church. I believe in God. Then I get to go to heaven. The Bible is very clear. As Jesus said here, I am the only way to heaven. That you, you can only get to heaven by asking Jesus to be your savior. That is the only way by repenting of your sins, confessing your sins, saying, Jesus, I have blown it. I'm, I, I need, I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Will you forgive me? And of course, God will always forgive you when you ask. And if you need to make that decision today, okay, if you've just messed life up and you're just wondering, what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose? I've tried all this stuff and nothing has worked. Well, today is time to try Jesus, okay? Because he will forgive you. He doesn't expect perfection. He expects for you just to be willing to give your life to him. And if that's you today, if you would, with nobody else looking around, just me and you, would you just lift your hand up and just say, that's me, Stan, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want heaven to be my home when I die. Anybody in this place need to make that decision today. I'm not gonna take a long time. I'm not gonna push it, but if that's you, okay, all right, I don't see any hands, show me your hand if you're going to heaven, there we go, I knew I'd get a hand raised one way or another, uh, all right, we're going to heaven, why is that, because of what Jesus did for us, 
pure and simple. Not my good works, it's simply that I accepted Jesus as my savior and I get to go to heaven. So Lord, thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Father, just for this lesson on being able to forgive. And I know as you went to the cross that you had so many things happen to you that you did not deserve and yet you chose to forgive every single one of them even as they were doing it to you. As they were nailing you on the cross and as you were hanging there, you simply said, Father, forgive them for they don't know they're help us to be like that. Pray for those who are suffering from being offended today that um, they would learn how to get over it, that relationships would be restored. And we just give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, again, Wednesday night Bible study is, uh, we have a great Bible study. It's a lot of fun for all ages. And then life groups tonight. And uh, again, if you're interested in a life group, haven't gone to one right above the drinking fountains, there's eight of them to choose from. And so uh, anyways, love you. Have a wonderful day.